0: Welcome to this message from Alpha and Omega Christian Fellowship. Our vision is to extend and establish the influence of the Kingdom of God by equipping the saints for the work of ministry. We hope that you will be blessed and encouraged
1: by what we have to share. Morning Church. Morning. morning. How's everyone? Good. Alright, so, like Michael said, this is a family thing. And when it's family, it's not just uh, one or two people talk. We need your participation, amen? Okay, this is a Bible study. Okay, I know it's a Sunday. I know your, your, um, your conventions are being challenged today. But I would like you guys to participate and be involved. Um, we're going to be presenting and discussing with each other, going through Ephesians 1. But we want you guys to, to just be with us. And, um, and just if you have anything you want to you know, share, then feel free. Yeah, this is a Bible study. All right. So, let's let's read and let's open our Bibles and let's study our Bibles together with Ephesians 1. All right, Rick and we have both verse 1 and verse 2 up. We're going to start with Ephesians 1. Okay, I will give you some context, but I first want Paul to give it. So let's read what Paul has to say. And actually... If you guys would like to read a verse, I'm going to offer, right? And sometimes there's normal crickets that reply to that <laughs> offer. But honestly, this is a Bible study. Siobhan and I don't want to be the only ones reading the Bible here. Yeah. So right off the gate, does anybody want to read verse 1 and 2 for us? Thanks, Robin. Awesome. Yeah, but you have a different translation.
0: From no, it's a message. Message,
1: please. Sorry, Robin. Yeah, I'm going- oh, I'll read from the screen. I Paul am under God's plan
0: as an apostle a special agent of Christ Jesus writing to you faithful Christians in Ephesus I greet you with the grace and peace poured into our lives by God our Father and our Master Jesus Christ
1: Thanks, Paul. Uh, I mean, Robert. <laughs> <laughs> All right. It's good that our older man spoke that. Because Paul was writing this letter in his, in, his, in his latter days of his life. Where was he writing it from? He was writing it from prison in Rome, right? We know that. That's obvious. But to whom he was writing it to? You guys are going to say to me, I was writing to the church in Ephesus. Yes, you're correct. He was. But not only restricted to the church in Ephesus. Do you know the words? Does anybody look in your Bibles when it says in Ephesus is there asterisk or a referral to a footnote. Anybody? Have you got a footnote there? Specifically, I would think the New Living Translation or the ESV or the, the later in. versions will have The later versions. In other words, if you do... Okay, your Bibles need to upgrade your Bibles if you don't. But if you do... <laughs> just kidding. If you,
0: Welcome to Bible study.
1: <laughs> if you do, it means the words in Ephesus were added later by scribes. Okay, Because, yes, he is talking to the church in Ephesus. Let's not... Semantics, he definitely is, but he's not restricting this letter to, in, to Ephesus, right? This was a circular letter. It went round the region, mm. right? But he is definitely writing it to, to the church in Ephesus because he spent time there. I think most of Paul's time was spent in Ephesus, okay? He was a nomadic apostle. Yeah. He went from place to place, but he rooted himself for two to three years in this church and he helped grow it. His longest day. It's his longest day. It's his family. He's the father. It's his family. These are his people. So he's conveying his heart to the church in Ephesus, but he's encouraged that growth to go beyond just the city of Ephesus. I just want to read you a quote that I found from Biblica. It says, Unlike several of the other letters Paul wrote, Ephesians does not address any particular error or heresy. Paul wrote to expand the horizons of his readers. That's important. Expand the horizons of... Of his readers, so that they might understand the better, or they might understand better the dimensions of God's eternal purpose and grace, and come to appreciate the high goals God has for His church, right? So that's to whom Paul is writing. He's writing it to you and me, and he's asking the same. So, what is Ephesians all about? We're not going to go in full detail today. Simply, the book of Ephesians is divided into two halves. The first half is from chapter 1 to 3, okay, and it talks about the gospel story, right? how all of history came to its climax in Jesus and in his creation of one singular body, united. The second half, from chapter 4 to the end of the book, is Paul, Paul challenges us to respond to the gospel story and how we should live our own life story every day. So the first part is the gospel story. The second part is how we extend that gospel story in our own lives how we express it. That's simply what it is. The Ephesians powerfully summarizes the whole gospel, right? And it should shape, the whole gospel story should shape our story. All right. So you might be asking, why are we doing this as a church? Why is Alpha and Omega family studying Ephesians? Why is it on our hearts and our Bible studies hearts to share and learn this book together? It's because we want to come together as one body. And one family. Because we are, as a family, the embodiment and the expression of Christ-centered living. Empowered. Very important. Empowered through the Holy Spirit. You see, like Michael said, our heart's desire and our plea is to, to join. You must, you must understand, Ephesians, as we're going to go through the next four weeks, the gospel is not isolated. It's a joint journey. Like, that's why Siobhan and I are here together. Our hearts <laughs> caught together. So we are inviting you to come alongside of us as a family because together we are the expression of Christ's body, amen. And that's why we're doing it. Okay. So enough, of, enough from me. I'm going to hand over to Siobhan to do the next, the next section.
0: Good morning, everyone. Um, I think just, just to bounce off what Stephen is saying, um, Ephesians is <clears throat> it's a, a lot. Of, it's multiple streams of thought coming into one idea, and many people. Uh, get this idea and they say it's, it's oneness, like we've come, we've said it's all about being one um, most scholars would say it's about identity how we find our true one identity in Christ um, and then unity as well is a m- massive theme within, within Ephesians so when we, when we speak about uh, these ideas and these concepts we have to understand that our, our idea of oneness comes from where we are as a, as a family We we use the word oneness because it's unique in that we could have said unity, but that's a word that's used all over the place. And we like to be original. So we we wanted to use something that that didn't say unity, but it was unity, you know. Um, And it's also about very much identity who we are, who God is, and where we're going. So, um, does anyone want to read from verses 3 to 6? No, I wouldn't say that, Pastor. But we'd like to be.
1: From the message translation on the screen,
0: Alana, thank you. Yes, please, please.
1: How blessed is God? What a blessing He is! He's the Father of our Master Jesus Christ, who takes us to the high places of blessing in Him. Long before He laid down earth's foundations, He had us in mind, had set on us as the focus of His love. To be made whole and holy by them. Long, long ago, he decided to adopt us into his family through Jesus Christ. What pleasure it took in us! He wanted us to enter into the celebration of the lavish gift-giving by the hand of his beloved Son.
0: Thank you. I think when you read it in other translations, you don't really see that kind of picture. You you see a step-by-step understanding of what Paul is trying to say. But the message translation shows you the snapshot of everything that's happened. And one of the the, the, the idea of oneness is that God's plan was one plan from the beginning. All right? So Paul specifically starts this letter with God. In, in other translations, it might seem like he's talking about us, but in fact, all of this is about him. It's about how he has done all these things, it's his plan. The, the idea and the concept of man and the earth and heaven and his goodness. It's all about expressing himself and through us. And so we it's not a shocker that Paul would say he started this from the foundation of the world. So he goes back to Genesis. He's, his idea here is, I want you to see how this began. We, I like to say that Paul is kind of looking down history and starting at the beginning of Ephesians. And he's saying, actually, all of this here started in the garden. All of this is happening in the mind of Paul. He's saying, in the garden, this plan was established. The idea of Jesus was established. What mankind is and what we ought to be was established in the garden. And in the garden, you, we we have different ideas of what that might mean. Just want to take you back there. Uh, you see God in Genesis one, going through days in Genesis two actually going through days as well. But it's whether whether it's literal or non-literal is is not really where I want to go. I want to say to you, what it actually is, is concrete. It's the the ideas in those in those few chapters, three chapters, are concrete. If you look at Leviticus or this morning Craig read from Samuel about building a temple, you see the same ideas. So God in building the earth, in creating this creation, heavens and earth, is, it's temple talk. It's temple talk. He's saying, he's saying I'm going to create this thing and I'm going to, what am I going to do with it? I'm going to put an image in it, which they used to do in, in the, in back in the day. When they built a temple, they put an image in it. And we are those images that got put in the space, the sphere. Right? And after putting this image in it, right, usually they would they would put the cherubim, ark of the covenant, light the fire, right? God comes down. On the seventh day, what does the Bible say? He finished with this work, he said it was very good. I like it. And then the Bible says he rested. That word there is not to I cease from working, I'm done. It's to abide in the very place that he created. That's what the garden is about. Right? That's why, after every time that they build the temple, what happens? The the glory of God visits the temple. And so, on the seventh day, when it says he rested, it's okay, I'm going to make my residence here now. And how does he do that? He He puts man there, breathes into him. He's very life, he's very spirit, right? And then says, not only now do I want you to be like me, I want you to go around and explore and do different things. Just, just don't, don't do this one thing. Because if you do this one thing, you're going to separate yourself from your true essence. When you choose to do things your way, you walk away from me. And when you walk away from me, you, don't lo- you no longer live in that sphere that we call Eden. That space where God and man have perfect relationship. So, when you read Genesis 1 again next time, really think about that idea. The, 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 the idea there is that God inhabits this space. Why he does that, I have no idea, but thank God that he does. Right, And so, this is, this is uh, what, Paul, what Paul is getting at here. He's saying, this is God's intent in the beginning. Right? And Jesus was always at the center of that intent. Right? Because when you see in Genesis 3, they fall. Well, they move away from God. There's a schism. Man has his own intention, and he walks away. And so God, in his grace and in his mercy, pushes man out of the garden just in case they take us the tree of life and they get stuck being who they were never created to be in the first place. And so in his mercy, he pushes man out and says, I'm gonna put a cherubim here, and when I put this cherubim here, it will guide us, it will give a, a doorway back in. Only one person can go back in though. So it's there to, to, to remind mankind there will be a way back. Don't worry, I've got this sorted. I have a plan. For now, you can't be in this sphere. But I will, by my grace and my mercy, restore you back to this place one day. Right? So, man decides to sin. And then, in, that's verses one, 3 to 6. If you, if you really take a snapshot of 3 to 6, he's saying, I planned this. You were the focus of my love. And then, in verses 7 to 10, he says, because of the sacrifice of the Messiah... His blood poured out on the altar of the cross. We're a free people, free of penalties and punishments, chalked up by our own misdeeds. And not just barely free, either, abundantly free. He thought of everything, provided for everything we could possibly need. Letting us in on his plans, he took such delight in making. He set us, he set it all, before us in Christ, a long-range plan in which everything would be brought together and summed up in him, everything in deepest heaven and everything on earth. The idea there is that once again, like it was in Eden, heaven and earth would be combined. Because before that, they were just reflections of one another. Genesis 1-3 to 3 is earth is a reflection of heaven, which is why God has no problem abiding with us. There's no issue there. Right? And then man goes his own way, and God in his mercy still shows up on the earth because he's so given to mankind. He's so given to the idea that he wants, to, he wants us to be his images and he wants us to reflect him. And so you would find that after the sin, he's still talking to Cain, he's still talking to Abel. He finds Jacob in a, by a rock. There's, there's, there are moments where heaven and earth combine. That's what the what the temple is supposed to do. It's supposed to put heaven on earth. Right, hence we are the temples. So it combines it combines the two spheres and makes it one. Right, it's a black a black hole, a loophole. You you. They see through one another. And it's funny how he's saying Jesus is going to be at the center of all of this. And so isn't it funny how Eden, eden the word translated for Eden is paradise. What does Jesus say to the guy on the cross next to him? Today you will be with me in paradise. I will restore you back to Eden today. The, the work will be complete. When he says it is finished, he's saying, Father, we've done it. We've put them back into Eden, where they can truly have relationship with us again and bear our image correctly. Amen.
1: Thanks, everyone. Um, yeah, well, I'd like to, if you if you read in your own Bibles from Ephesians three to, to thirteen, I believe. Um, if you actually think about it, it's if you read in some translations, it's Greek poetry. It's one long sentence. There's no periods or full stops. And I quite liked what someone, in, in researching, someone said, Siobhan gave us a picture of Genesis of, this, of what Paul is doing, but think of it like a gushing stream. Paul is just lavishing and gushing the stream of God's love and abundance of, of just his generosity and his passion for his people, his love for his people. Yeah. And he gives these stepping stones. But it's just a gushing stream from verse 3 to 14. And it's like, like Siobhan said, it's all about Christ. So where we pick up in verse 11... Verse 11 to 12, I'll read it here. It says, it's in Christ that we find out who we are and what we are living for. That, for me, if you have to read anything in Ephesians, this is the anchor point. Number one, it's all about Christ. It's not about who, what we can do in the flesh. It's about what Christ has already done in the flesh. And through His act of dying on the cross, He's given us the Spirit to live with within us. Right. Long before we first heard of Christ and got our hopes up, He had His eye on us, had designs on us for glorious living. Part of the overall purpose, He is working out in everything and everyone. It's a glorious life that we are called to live, like Siobhan was explaining with the imagery of Genesis. God wants us to live this glorious life. Put it this way. Our position, our identity, our purpose, literally our DNA as new creatures, as new creations... Is in Christ. You know, there's such Christian jargon to say we are a new creation and we just say it so lackadaisically. But I want you to actually understand that you are changed. You are no longer the same. To see yourselves as you were before you were born again is wrong because you are new creations. You are no longer the same. Why? Jesus' blood was shed on the cross, and he lives within inside of us. Like Siobhan was saying, humanity is restored to what they, their original intent was. Mm. That's why he's focusing a lot on Genesis, because that gives us a picture of how humanity was supposed to begin. In you know other words, Adam is Hebrew for humanity. Mm. Right? He was the first human. And before disobeying God and choosing his own way, he embodied what it means to be truly human. <coughs> to have the image of God within us, to reflect God to the world, right? And that's when Christ dies on the cross, we are new creations, we go back, we become that new humanity that God's original intent was. I'm going to read one more time from Genesis, and then I think we covered it Genesis. Genesis 1.26 from the message. God spoke, Let us make human beings in our image. Make them reflecting our nature. I love the message, and we're going to use it for, for today because it's, it's, it's poetic in a way. Make them reflect our nature. And that's who we are. If you want to know who you are and why you're you here, is for one thing, God couldn't stop but outpour is love and create. And in outpouring and creating, He create, created human beings. And what are we supposed to be doing? Reflecting His nature. Being like Him in every aspect of life. Just like Jesus. Amen. Jesus is the, the second Adam. In your Bible will tell you, but he is really the firstly the true Adam, the true human being in flesh that reflected God as he walked this earth. When 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 God asked Adam humanity, just replace Adam with the word humanity. Humanity, where are you? He we know he's looking straight at them, right? Yeah. <laughs> he's like looking straight at them and where are you, right? He's talking about where's my bond, my relationship with humanity gone? What have you done with my image? We are no longer in communication. You see, we're always meant to be human beings, right? Being in God's presence, exuding His nature, not human doings. It's not about what we can and cannot do. It's about who we are, and who we are is in Christ. And I know we've gone very... Philosophical, poetic, but Paul is shay- saying one thing. Humans, we are in Christ. That's who we are and that's who we're meant to be. Yeah. He is the beginning and he is the end. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. Siobhan I think, will read the next section.
0: I think also with the, with the idea of, of images, we're talking about images, that, that word image in the Hebrew is also translated icon or idol. So it's, it's fascinating that, that the first command is don't create any idols. And, and then God makes an idol. He, he makes something that reflects Himself. In other words, I don't want you to make any images of God because you are the images of God. I, don't put anything that's made with your hand in the temple because when you walk into the temple, that's, that's you're looking in the mirror. That's what I want you to see. So, um, yeah, that's just, it, it's fascinating that, that God has, has laced all of creation to to reflect himself, but particularly mankind. Um, We are 13 to 14.
1: 13 13 to 14, Rick.
0: It's in Christ that you, is it that? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Once you heard the truth and believed in it, this message of your salvation, found yourselves home free, signed, sealed, and delivered by the Holy Spirit. The signet from God is the first installment of what's coming, a reminder that we'll get everything God has planned for us, a, pra- a praising and glorious life. At- see how moved from, from where we were to where we are? The, the, mankind is this, this corridor of, of going, kind of looking this way, looking forward from where we were. And... He uses the Holy Spirit in a, in a fascinating way. He says that it's a signet, a, a the first installment. Um, and I, 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 I told Stephen the story, and he said he should tell it to the church. And I said it's going to be awkward because they're going to expect something after I tell the story. So you said it. <laughs> so I, um, when this, when when reading uh, the I. I, I I remembered a preacher that I heard once upon a time uh, talk about this. And, and he was saying that the Holy Spirit has been uh, something that we have stayed at for far too long. And at, at first it sounded like heresy, but, but I understood his point after he told the story. He said, the Holy Spirit is an installment, right? What this means is, is I'm, I'm with Mishka, right? If I were to buy her a ring, <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: Expectations. Expectations. <laughs> if Pastor's
0: buttoning you up, he's still like, "Come on, man, right? If I want to buy her a ring, right? That ring would signify something. It will be an installment. Look, I'm putting my mark on this. I would like this to be mine, right? Her, yes. No, but I'm saying in general, in general, right? Her, yes. So.
1: That's why I'm glad he's sharing
0: it. <laughs> <laughs> he knew I was going to get some stick while telling the story. So the, the, the important part of the guy's telling the story, and he was saying, what he would do is, he would go buy this massive diamond, and he will, he won't use, uh, he will use platinum. He will You're cut the diamond worse. up. He will cut the diamond <laughs> up. Now look, no, please. Okay. So <laughs> close your ears, Mishka. So. <laughs> He will cut the diamond up in princess uh, cut because then you can see all the facets of the diamond. And once all of this is sorted, he will book a plane to Paris. Right? And he will fly his then girlfriend out, and they will go to a, a restaurant that, that he knows is famous. And he will sit her down with a bottle of Tanpari, or whatever you call it. Because <laughs> I'm not a drinker, so I wouldn't know. Um, and. And before, while, while they're having this conversation, they will pop this thing up, and she will be blinded by the big, the largeness of this diamond. The model of the story is that that diamond did not reflect the girl. It was reflecting the man who bought the ring. Right? When, I've not done this yet, but when Stephen was telling me this. <laughs>
1: I told him not to go down (laughs) this. Just let the record stay.
0: Stephen was telling me this that when he was designing Nicole's engagement ring, he realized that when he looked at the ring, he saw himself. He didn't see Nicole. He wasn't thinking about what he was thinking about. Nicole (laughs) would like.
1: That's a great (laughs) image. But
0: but ultimately, the ring looked like what Stephen thought would be nice.
1: It represents man's ideal for the woman that yes. he wants to do his creation, his passion, his creativity comes through.
0: So yeah. so when we receive the Holy Spirit, right, it's God saying to the enemy and to the rest of the universe, I've marked that person. Wow. So when you go to the shopping mall if the ring is big enough and you lift your hand, some guy can't be like like, oh that ring's big. No. No thank you. Right? If someone has taken her for himself. Right? But the Holy Spirit, if it's a signant It's not the full thing right? So He has given us this deposit This installment But we shouldn't get hooked up on it If I came into the house And I bought Mishka a ring And all she could do is look at the ring That would defeat the purpose <laughs> Right? And for, for so long, we have been hooked up on the ring. And God is saying, no, the ring is there to point you to me. The ring is there so that you can have, so that you know I'm in business about this relationship. Right? But also, the ring is there to show you that there's something ahead. Something's coming. I didn't do this so that we could have a nice time with the ring. I did this so that you would know I'm in business and I'm moving forward with you. In your state, the way you are, I like you like that. Right? And we're moving forward. He's going in with his eyes open. Right? So when we we read that verse and we think about it, please don't just think about speaking in tongues and healing the sick and raising the dead. Think about it as God saying, I want you for myself. Right? So, I've got to do that one.
1: (laughs) No further comment. All right. (laughs) Let someone read Ephesians 1, 15 to 19 for us. Who would like to read Ephesians 15 to 19? Anybody? Thanks, Megan, from the message. Yeah. Thank you. Okay. Uh, okay. <laughs> okay. That's why, when I heard of the solid trust you have in the Master Jesus and your outpouring of love to all the followers of Jesus, I couldn't stop thanking God for you. Every time I prayed, I think of you and give you thanks. But I do more than thank. I do more than, tha- than thank. I ask. Ask the God of our Master, Jesus Christ, the God of glory, to make you intelligent and discerning in knowing him personally, your eyes focused and clear, so that you can see exactly what, what it is he is calling you to do. Grasp the Im- immensity of this glorious way of life he has for all his followers. Oh, the utter extravagance of his work in us who trust him, endless energy, boundless strength. Thanks, Megan. So... You can see Paul shifted a gear now. After that poetic, gushing stream of God's goodness and his love, providing these stepping stones, which we, we've tried to unpack as best as we can, he now is addressing people. He says, That's why when I heard of the solid trust you have in the Master, Jesus, and your outpouring of love to all followers of Jesus, I couldn't stop thanking God for you. First, Paul thanks God for their solid trust in Jesus. He acknowledges their trust, and he thanks God for it. He says, I see the evidence of this trust. It's evident, how? How is it evident? Read there. How is it evident that they trust God? Any takers? It's quite, literally, on the screen. (laughs) (laughs) You're outpouring love to all the followers of Jesus. You see, when we, you know, when there's evidence of trust. Siobhan gave one example of trust in the marriage there is evidence, there's a ring, but also there's evidence that a husband and wife trust each other in life, right? And what I'm saying is, when we trust God, there has to be something to show for it. The world is not seeing the trust that we have in Jesus. It's the outpouring of love. When we pour out the love just like Jesus did when he was on this earth, and he's in our hearts, when we outpour that love, we are showing the world that we really have a relationship and trust with Jesus Christ, yeah. with the Father, Right? Trust is practical. It's evident. It's real. It's tangible. But Paul doesn't stop there. After praising them, he he prays for them, right? He asks God to do what? To help them to get to know him personally. To get to know them more, deeper, more intimate. He wants a personal encounter. Just read there in the message. It says, But I do more than ask. Sorry, I do more than thank. I ask. I ask God, our Master Jesus Christ, the God of glory... To make you intelligent and discerning in knowing him personally. See, that's the key. Paul knows there's deeper still. And I believe God is calling this church today. There's deeper still. There's just a little evidence. There's deeper of revelation of a personal relationship in the church to give, right? He says, he prays that they keep their eyes focused and clear to perceive. The eyes are important because you can see and you can perceive. To see what? What is God calling the church of Ephesus to do and today calling his church to do? We need to perceive it. We need to see what God wants us to do practically in daily life, in every hour, in every minute, and in every day. In the short term and in the long term, God will always give you direction. You know, I was thinking, you know, in God's creation of humanity, and when they were in unity, God walked with them in the cool of the day. Right, they unpacked things together. I'm sure he shared his opinions. And they had discussion and exchanges. God wants to do the same with us today. Because we're back there. We're, in hum- we're back together with union with him. He wants to express what he wants us to do. right? How he wants us to spread his love. You see, it's a restful work. Like Siobhan was saying. It's a restful work. It's not something we need to be busy doing. We need to be busy being. Yeah. It's something that comes naturally as an expression of reflecting God's image to the people around us. Mm-hmm. Where things just happen and you say words that are true and evident in your heart and that touches people's lives and changes it. Right? Mm-hmm. There's nothing we could do. Everything is in Christ. Yeah. The pressure is off. Mm-hmm. Amen? Mm-hmm. So Paul speaks to us today to do the same. He, he's praying for us today to do the same, to get to know God personally. And family, there's only one way to get to know God personally. That's to read His Word. To yeah. study His Word. That's His nature. Mm-hmm. Right? And to spend time with Him in prayer. To walk with Him in the cool of the day. Yeah. You know, He will talk to you through His Word. Amen? Amen. And that's what we're doing today. I don't know if I have you anything to share on, on that no. section. you did well. All right. So who wants to read verse 20 to 23 in the last few verses in this chapter? Last chance. You're gonna regret it if you don't read it. Anybody. All right. <laughs> you Thank you, Auntie Karen. <laughs> <laughs> you could see you those who come to Bible study. All this energy issues from Christ. God raised him from the death from death and set him on a throne in deep heaven in charge of running the universe. Everything from galaxies to governments, no name and no power, exempt from his rule. And not just for the time being, but forever. He is in charge of it all, has the final word on everything. At the center of all this, Christ rules the church. The church, you see, is not peripheral, sorry, to the world. The world is peripheral to the church. The church is Christ's body and in which he speaks and acts, by which he fills everything with his presence. Thank you. So just as Paul started this chapter, he continues and he concludes. He reminds us again, Christ is at the center. Mm-hmm. Amen? Jesus mm-hmm. is the head and center of everything, from galaxies to governments. I love that. Mm-hmm. Right? You can't get any bigger, and you can't get any more frustrating. <laughs> you know what I mean? From the movement of the solar system, from decisions and laws that need to be made in the, in the, in the land, yeah. right? God is, Jesus is at the center of everything. There's nothing too big and nothing too small for him. The church is Christ's body. He invites us into that. Just think about that for a moment. Christ is the head of the church, but he doesn't want to just be, a, just be there by himself, just ahead, head, speaking things. He wants his people that reflect Him to be the outworking of His will. He wants us to be the hands and feet. He wants us to be the heartbeat. Mm-hmm. Amen? He's the head. But we have to show the love yeah. right, that He's already demonstrated for us. He fills everything with His presence. I just love the way this chapter concludes. And for me, it's, again, it's what it's all about. The church is Christ's body in which He speaks... And acts by which he fills everything with his presence. We are responsible to fill this world with his presence. We are his family. The seed that we have within us needs to be poured out. Amen? We need to take our rightful place and follow Christ's leading. This is the calling of the church. So, yeah, you go uh, for
0: it. I just keep thinking about. Um, not sure where exactly it says it, but as the waters cover the sea, so the earth will be filled with the glory of the Lord. If, if we really take what Stephen is saying there is that he's going to fill the earth, he's going to populate the earth with, with the image of himself in us. And when we truly follow him, and like Paul was praying that we would truly understand and reflect him, then the earth will just automatically become what heaven is like. So we don't have to pray to go to heaven. Just pray that we
1: reflect him better. Yeah, it's funny. You just took the words out of my mouth. <laughs> like, I said, God designed it that your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Yeah. It's, it's, again, we, we become so familiar with that, but it's our responsibility to pray that forward and bring that forward. Yeah. Amen. We are the images of, Christ, of God and Christ, and we, it's our responsibility to have a, number one have the right relationship with Him, mm-hmm. being in that position of rest. That is nothing about works of, or striving, mm-hmm. but it's about a restful place of works. That everything you're doing is emanating from God. Yeah. Okay. Amen. And that's when heaven comes down on earth. Yeah. Just like when Jesus was here, heaven was, at, was on earth. The kingdom of God was at hand. It's here. Yeah. Yeah no, that's that's Ephesians one. For me, it's we would like our whole Bible study is behind us. And we meet every Wednesday at half past six. Actually they're right in front they behind us in spirit. <laughs> Amen? Yeah. And we want to invite you, church, to come and find your place. Yeah. To join as one family. And it's listen, it's If you know my heart, there's no pressure. I'm not someone who likes to exude pressure. I'm just pouring out what my heart is crying out for. Mm. Is that when we come together in unity, you see, that's the key. We can't do this alone. Mm. A finger can't do anything of itself, right? We have to do it together. Mm. And our heart's clear is just to invite you. Let's come together as one. Let's strengthen our bond as a family. We only meet once a week. That's not enough. The only conversations we have is superficial. Let's be honest. Right? Let's call fake book, fake book. Right? <laughs> Let's have real discussions about the Word of God. You see, God's Word will bring light yeah. into relationships. Yeah. Right? Let's learn about His nature. In learning about Him, we'll know more about ourselves. Because yeah. that's who we are. amen. Let's trust Him to reveal who we are and where we're going, not only as individuals, but as a family, as Alpha and Omega. We are a family. And we are called to the work that he has for us. So for next, the next four Wednesdays, half past six, and we're going to try and finish by eight. So it's not that long. Here at this building, because this is only a building, you are the church. If we don't fill the building, there's no church. Yeah. Right? Let's start this Wednesday, and let's come together, and let's literally just read and study the word. Let's read Ephesians. I promise you, Ephesians 1 is the most poetic one of them they get so practical. They get so applicable. He mm. talks to marriages. He talks to parents and children. He talks to employees and employers. It's going to get real. Yeah. He's just starting this off. He's opening it up, just like we're doing it for you today. We want to open it up and do a fast track from the beginning of time till today, but he gets so practical with us and he encourages us how, what it looks to be the image of Christ. Mm. Amen? Amen. So let's, would you like to pray for us, Yvonne, in closing? Sure.
0: Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you, we honor you. Lord, we are so overwhelmed by what you've created us to be and who you've created us to be. Thank you, Father, that you've put your image on the inside of us and that you've asked us to express who you are to the rest of the world. So I pray, Father God, that we would do so in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We hope that you've enjoyed this message. For additional resources and more information,
1: come and visit us at alphaomega.org.za.